I do want to take a minute before I start. Um, my wife and I did have the privilege of being here uh, 10 years ago we came, and uh, when we had the, uh, the opportunity uh, to, uh, to be a part of something very big. And uh, it's one thing to dream, it's another thing uh, to see it happen. And I want to thank uh, Phil and Debbie Lum and Bram. I could count, I could name a number of others, but they were the ones that were here in the very beginning. And so I want to thank you uh, for your faithfulness. I want to thank you for your hard work, your dedication. And uh, I praise God for you. Uh, we've been good friends over the years, and uh, we're even better friends now. And so I, I do want to say thank you. You know, um, anyone ever realize that, you know, is it Christmas already? It just seems like it was Christmas last year. My wife and I and family came out here last year for Christmas, and it seems like it's here already again. Um, my wife and I were at a mall the day after Halloween, and Santa was already up, and the decorations and the Christmas carols, and I said, why in the world happened to Thanksgiving? It's gone because Christmas was here already. You know, and then, uh, you know, they say life is like a roll of toilet paper. You know, it goes faster as you get toward the end. And it uh, seems like that's how my life is going. It's just going faster and faster and faster. Before I know it, it'll be Christmas 2015. Um, you know, my wife and I are beginning to get tons of cards. And uh, we're getting photo cards. Everyone's sending picture cards. Pictures of family, friends. And they all end up on our refrigerator. And my wife, she has, I'm not quite sure the plan that she has. She has a pattern. And I don't dare put one up because if I put one up, it's moved. Because uh, she had, and I don't know if it's by favorites or if it's by, uh, or what, but it's just loaded with all of these uh, pictures of friends and family. And that's a good thing. And the army, oh my goodness, at Christmas time, we just go insane. We're working all the time. You know, yesterday you had your distribution. We have our kettles going on. We have all sorts. You had the Christmas programs. It's just Thing after thing after thing after thing. You know, the Salvation Army is known for doing good. You know, doing the most good. And we seem to do good so much that that's what we focus on. And there's nothing wrong with that. But at this Christmas time, there really is something that's more significant than that. Now, I said that we, we receive Christmas cards. It's amazing how few cards we receive today that have the image of a stable. Or Mary and Joseph and the baby. It seems like all of the good things are kind of pressing out the wonderful message of Christmas. I think it's important that we remember that the first gift, the first gift was God's gift of his son toward us. The scripture today it's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Um, the 23rd verse. The angel is visiting Joseph. And it's a whole other study. I, I wouldn't get into that today. But Joseph is almost the forgotten person in the nativity story. But without Joseph, there would be no lineage of David, which would have fulfilled the prophecy. Da Joseph was just as important as Mary. And the angel came. And he said, you will call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. And it fulfills an Old Testament prophecy. And here it is, we sang about it. His name shall be called 
what? Emmanuel. Meaning God with us. And from the creation, the dawn of time, that has always been God's purpose. God's desire to be with his people. He created Adam and Eve to be in the garden in fellowship with him. That was his desire, and that desire has never changed. One of the most uh, well-known passages of Scripture is found in Psalm 23. We tend to read Psalm 23 during uh, funerals or whatever, but it's such a wonderful, wonderful passage. And right down at the bottom, David writes, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. God with me. God with me. You go to the New Testament. Mark 9th chapter, 31st verse. Jesus in the midst of his ministry. He takes his disciples out across the Sea of Galilee. And it says that he did not want to know, have anybody know where he was. Because he wanted to spend time with his disciples. And to teach them. He wanted to be with them. See the importance of being with him. Why does God want to be with us? You ever notice that you become like the people that you spend time with? Go to the mall. You see kids, they're hanging around each other. They all dress the same way. They use the same words, which I have no clue anymore what any of these words mean. They speak their own language. You look at a married couple. After they've been married a long time, they actually begin to think alike. I thank God that my wife doesn't look like me. I would hate to go to bed with somebody who looks like me, but uh, she has to. But we're like each other in so many ways. And why is that? Because we spend time with each other. That's God's forever purpose for us to be like him God with us the song says reveal in us God's purpose now if you have your Bibles I'd be interested I'm not going to ask raise hands but Romans 8 28 it's such a great passage everyone that's been a Christian for more than about six months underlines that passage we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose. And we love that passage, don't we? We love it. You know, God is causing all things to work together for my good. For my good. So I can have the job I want. I can have the relationship I want. I can have uh, the car I want. I can have the house I want. I can have all my life kind of work together for the good. And God is causing all these things to work together for my good. But that's not what it's saying. That's not what it's saying at all. Matter of fact, I very seldom ever hear anybody even ask the question, what is the good he's talking about? What is it is the good that God is causing all things to work together toward? We don't ask it. Matter of fact, here's the thing. Verse 29. How many people underline the 29th verse? Most people have no clue what that verse is even talking about. But that actually reveals what 28 is talking about. You go to that verse and it says, this is what the good is. The good is for us to be conformed to the image of his son. That is the good that God is talking about. God 
His name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us, revealed in us, so that we can be transformed into the likeness of his son because we spend time with him and he spends time with us. And what this verse is then saying is God orchestrates everything in our life. He doesn't cause everything, but he orchestrates everything in our life in order to work toward the good. And what is the good? The good is for us to be conformed to the image of his son. He uses the good times, he uses the bad times. He used the happy times, he used the sad times. He used laughter, he uses tears. All those things he wants to use to direct us toward his good. Matter of fact, if we're really honest, it's during the difficult times that we tend to rely more on God and God does his precious work in our life. I think it's really because during those times we turn to him. When things are going good, we tend to just be, we're on cruise control, we're doing fine. We don't need God. But when things happen, we run to him. Maybe that's why James says, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials. Whenever you face trials, take it pure joy. Not that you enjoy the sufferings, but that you realize God is orchestrating those things to work together for the good. And what is the good? For us to be conformed to the image of God. Of his son. Of all people in scripture, Paul certainly knew what hard times were about. Listen to his testimony. You can look it up later. I'm going to go through it real quick. It's found in 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, verses 23 to 26. Here's Paul. I've worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent night and day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in dangers from rivers, dangers from bandits, dangers from my fellow Jews, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the country, dangers at sea, dangers from false believers. I've labored. I've toiled. I've often gone without sleep. I've known hunger. I've known thirst. I've gone without food. I've been cold and I've been naked. And you think you've had a bad day. And do you think God took joy... And to see his servant going through all those things? No. But he was orchestrating all of those things to work together for the good. Taking those things and helping Paul and molding him into the image of his son. Johnny Erickson Tata, a wonderful lady. Uh, I used to think she's young. She's not young. She's about my age. I think she's about a year older than me. Uh, She was an athlete. A horseback rider. Uh, she decided to go swimming one day. She went to a lake, dove off of a, a pier. The water was much shallower than she thought. She hit the top of her head, snapped her, her neck up here in the cervical spine. From that moment on, almost totally paralyzed from the neck down. She went through severe depression during her two-year rehabilitation. Suicidal thoughts. She questioned her faith. What in the world, how in the world did God ever allow this to happen to me? She decided to move on in her life, and she actually began to acquire a skill of painting with holding the paintbrush in her mouth, and she became a a world-renowned artist. She became a vocalist, became an author. She's written over 40 books, started in a movie about her life story, has recorded several albums. 
she was asked the question, if you had to do it all over again, would you change anything? And she said, it's hard to believe, but no, I wouldn't change a thing. She said, because sometimes God allows what he hates in order to accomplish what he loves. God allows things in our life that he hates. He doesn't like suffering. He doesn't like pain, but he allows that in order to accomplish what he loves, the good, for us to be conformed to the image of his son. Look back over your life and the pain and the suffering you've gone through. And sometimes you question, why in the world did God ever allow this to happen? He allows it to happen because he's trying to use everything, everything in your life to accomplish his eternal purpose, to be like Jesus. That's God's purpose. And there's also a process through this thing. If you go to 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, verse 18, there's just a simple little passage there. It says, now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord, Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who are being transformed into the image of his son. Notice a little difference there. It's not past tense, and it's not future tense. It's continual present tense. For those of us who are being transformed into the image of his son, to work toward that good, that ultimate good in our life, to be like Jesus. Paul, while he was in prison toward the end of his life, said, not that we, I've already obtained this, or I've already achieved the level of perfection, the perfection he's talking about is being like Jesus. I'm not there. But the one thing I do is I forget what's in the past. And I, and I race toward, I strain toward to become all that God has in store for me. God's transforming him into the image of his son. You see, God is transforming us not only uh, from, to deliver us from what we have been, but to free us up to become all that we can be. The songwriter got it right when they wrote, Be of sin, the double cure, cleanse me from guilt and its power. God wants to free me up. God wants to free you up to become all that you can be. And all you can be is the image of his son. And that's not by might, and it's not by power, but it's by his spirit, declares the Lord. John Newton, the great songwriter, pastor, started out as a slave ship captain, transporting slaves from Africa to England. He was a horrible man, wonderfully saved. Actually became a pastor of a church after three times he tried Twice he was rejected. Who in the world would want to hire a guy like this? A third took a chance, hired him, and served in, in the pastorate for over 50 years. He penned a song that you all know. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch, and he was, like me. Toward the end of his life, almost blind, he said this, although my memory is fading, two things I remember. I am a great sinner, and God is a great Savior. That transforming work, molding us into the good, 
And what is the good? It's not things. The good is molding us into the image of his son, Emmanuel, God with us. Paul says, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. What a horrible trait on God's behalf, but what a blessing for us. He knew him who knew no sin to be my sin so that I could be the righteousness of God in him toward the good, the good. God's continual process of causing all things to orchestrate to make us like his son, to transform us. God's purpose, and it's a process. But there's also, there's a promise. There's a promise at the end. 1 John 3, 2. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when he appears, here it is, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Short verse, two great promises. You are a child of God. You are a child of God, and the second is, you will be like him, because he has caused all things to work together toward that end. Jesus in the upper room said this, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching and my father will love him and will come to him and make our home with him. And that's the same wordage, the same verbiage. To be with is to make our home with him. It's a promise. God says, I'm going to make my home with you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that someday that you will be in the presence of God the Father himself? Paul says, when we grieve, grieve not as those who have no hope. We have this hope. Do you believe that? Then why don't we act like that so often? We get so caught up in the things and we get so caught up in our life circumstances that we lose sight of where we will be. Now, I'm a diehard Oregon Duck fan. I've been an Oregon Duck fan before anybody in this room, I guarantee you. I was an Oregon Duck fan when they had one chance of winning a game all year, and that was against Oregon State, and they had to play well to make that happen. It was, it was bleak days, but I was there. Grew up in Oregon, absolutely loved them. Today, I record every single Oregon Duck football game, every one of them. Now, anybody in here record sports events and then watch them later? Okay, I see you now. Do you, do you want to know the score? No, no. Anybody else record games? Do you like to know the score? No, why, why would you want to know the score? I do. If Oregon Ducks lose, I delete, I delete it. Seriously, why would I want to watch them lose? I'm not going to watch them. Now, I have a real problem on New Year's Day. You know what that is? You know what my Christmas gift is? I'm going to the Rose Bowl, and I'm going to see the Ducks play. Yeah, I know, but boy, they, if they lose, I'll be in agony. They, be, they better not lose. They better not. Because I know the end, when I tape the games, record the games, I can sit back and I can enjoy the whole game. If there's a fumble, I don't care. Interception, I don't care. The other team gets ahead, I don't care. Why don't I care? 
Why don't I care? Because I know the outcome. The Ducks are going to win, and I just said, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be great to see how they come back and win this thing at this time. That, well, you're, you're, you better not be pulling for Florida State, I tell you. God, God help you. You know, there, grace is available, I tell you. That's, that's, that's all I have to say. But, you know, our life is like that. We go through things, and things happen. And we get down, and we get depressed, and events happen that tear us apart. But friends, in the end, God wins. I, I read the end of the book. I saw that that's how it ends. God is going to save his people. God causes all things to work together for that end. Paul said this, being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will complete it the day of Jesus. Our general John Gowans, who passed away this last year, wrote these simple words, to be like Jesus This hope possesses me and every thought indeed. This is my aim, my creed. To be like Jesus, this hope possesses me. And here's the catcher. His spirit helping me. Like him, I'll be. It's a promise. We started out by singing a chorus, Emmanuel, Emmanuel. God with us, revealed in us. God wants to reveal his presence through our very lives. But there's a catch. Friends, there's a catch. God only works with people that are willing. God won't force anything on anybody. He wants children that follow him because they want to follow. Do you want to be like his son? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I, can't, I, cannot, I cannot comprehend that. I have two daughters. I would not give my daughters for anybody. Anybody. But God loved you and me so much that he offered his own son in order to orchestrate this wonderful plan making us into the image of the Son.